0: family podcast. This is Dr. Tim Kimmel. For over 40 years, our ministry has been teaching people all over the globe how to turn God's act of grace into the defining feature of their closest relationships. We're excited for you to listen in on the conversation.
1: it's Karis. Welcome to the Gravespace Families podcast. We have a very special guest for you today, and I want to tell you all about him. This is my good friend, Ted Wiesty. And Ted serves as the founder and director of the Spiritual Formation Society of Arizona. Um, that's That's his current ministry. And for the last 30 years, he's served in various ministry capacities, Um, 20 of those years being in pastoral ministry at churches and Ted has planted a church he's uh, taught at a seminary Um, he loves uh, the the concept of spiritual formation which we're going to talk a little bit about what that means today that might not be a term you've ever heard before but he's a spiritual director he leads retreats and he loves to teach so um, he's written many, many books, some of which are on the topic that we're going to talk about today. And most importantly, Ted is married to the love of his life, Jennifer, for 31 years. And they have two great adult children, no grandkids yet. I'm sure you're, you know, the, you're pressuring them appropriately about that. And um, But they do have two little golden doodles who I have seen pictures of and... I am a dog lover so usually those are your only like when you post on social media ted those that's what i comment on is i'm like i don't know what it is you said in the post because i wasn't paying attention because i'm just looking watching your dogs in this video and that's the only thing i care about right now but welcome to the podcast well thank
0: you it's good to be with you my friend
1: yes yeah and ted is a personal friend of mine his His uh, ministry, the Spiritual Formation Society of Arizona, does a lot of various things, retreats, spiritual direction, um, different workshops, and one day silent retreats. Um, But I was part of your two-year spiritual formation cohort, which just completed here a few months ago, and it it, uh, happened at a time for me in my life that was... You know, I went, went through a lot. It was a really critical time. And I, I just think God aligned that, obviously, on purpose, that I would be able to be under your leadership and learning from you, as well as being part of a, a group with all these other wonderful people that kind of walked alongside me through some dark stuff. So, um, so we appreciate it. But what we wanted to talk about today, Ted, is deconstruction. And this is a term that you may have heard, you may not have heard. It's kind of a buzzword right now. I mean, I feel like every time Relevant Magazine comes out, there's some kind of a an article on deconstruction. And um, people have a lot of different ways of approaching that. Of thinking about that there are even deconstruction like seminars that you can take I mean we've we found a way to monetize deconstruction as well which is fun um, but I would love for you to tell us your definition of deconstruction what is it what does it mean and I guess just to have a working definition so that as we continue to talk about this this topic that people understand where you're coming from
0: yeah, well, you know, in a very simple way, um, to deconstruct something is to take something that's, that's constructed and to take it apart and mm. examine it. And so uh, most of the time when the term deconstruction is used, it's talking about uh, taking a part of a critical reevaluation mm. of the faith and specifically around uh, Christian doctrine and beliefs. As well as as well as practice hmm. so uh, without getting into a lot of the details that's that's really what's happening in deconstruction is it's it's a deconstructing of something that has been intact and constructed
1: yeah and I obviously specifically we're talking about the deconstruction of faith in as Christians and um, because you do so much work in spiritual formation, I think it makes a lot of sense that you can speak to the topic of deconstruction, because formation is something that happens regardless, you know, in our faith. We are formed some way. And so sometimes, well, often, I think, because we're flawed human beings and because we're flawed human beings, we create flawed churches and flawed doc- doctrines and, and flawed practice. Um, that formation can have some flaws that are worthy of examination and reevaluation.
0: Absolutely. And, and I think one of the difficult things about being in a season of deconstruction, if I could put it that way, mm. or feeling like you're experiencing some sort of deconstruction because often, I don't think people are looking for it. Right. Most of the time, people aren't thinking, you know what? Everything seems to be in place. Everything seems to be working. Why don't I just tear it all apart? Right. Usually, there's something that someone is saying, I need to re-examine this. And mm-hmm. I and I think it's too simplistic to say someone went through a difficult time or... You know, they took a class at their university, and it just totally. It, there's, there's usually a mixture of things that mm-hmm. are going on that someone is saying, in some way, this is not working for me. And, and most of the time, as someone is in a season of deconstruction, they're not necessarily rejecting the faith, because yeah. if they were, they would just be like, you know what, I'm done. And there's no ge- deconstruction. There's just a desertion of. Right. Of the faith so um, it's it's something that usually people aren't looking for it happens but it's very disorienting Hmm. because it's not what you'd expect
1: yeah and it doesn't happen the same way or at the same pace or intensity for everyone some people depending on their personality may share a lot with people around them what they're thinking what they're feeling what they're discovering and some people may have a very quiet private deconstruction and i think that what uh, what i have observed is when people are uh walking alongside someone or someone in their life who they know or maybe it's an, an influencer that they follow or a writer or a christian musician or someone who they have kind of followed their path or career and that person is public about their deconstruction it can cause a lot of concern and fear in, in the people around them watching this happen because this is, I think, part of our Christian practice, but it's also just part of being human. We don't love uncertainty and doubt, and we don't love to sit in this place of, of process. We kind of want to get to the end and be done. Right. Right. Because it's uncomfortable
0: (laughs) and and i think that's part of the challenge and and what a lot of times people are interacting with as it relates to deconstruction is that they've been told you can be certain about everything Mm -hmm. you don't have to have doubts there's not really any mystery just you know look at the bible everything's there all the questions are answered and, and that's kind of a simplistic way to say it, but I think that's what a lot of people hear
1: mm-hmm. and
0: understand, especially in, in kind of the traditional church, yeah. is, is everything's all, you know, figured out. And if you have a problem with it, then that's a problem that you have. Yeah. And so I would argue that when you look at the scriptures, when you look at church history, uh, doubt, uncertainty all those things have been a part of the fabric of the Christian faith all along. Yeah. And, and I think in many ways in this modernist kind of world that we live in, especially post enlightenment, mm-hmm. we just culturally, don't like you said, don't like doubt. We don't like uncertainty. We're in a scientific age, you should be able to know. Mm-hmm. And if something's not certain, then it should be rejected. And I think the church quite often, has been more influenced by that kind of enlightenment modernist mentality mm-hmm. than it has by the actual scriptures, which are filled with doubt.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, just read a few Psalms. Right. And there's things in the Psalms that I would say are not even theologically true. Mm-hmm. But they're where somebody was, and it's what they were experiencing. It's what they
1: were feeling at the time. It's what they yeah. were
0: feeling, and God invites that. Mm-hmm. He says, I want you to pray to me that mm-hmm. way. I want you to give to me what's on your heart and what's on your mind. And I think often uh, in a lot of our discipleship that's occurred, that stuff's been shut down.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You just you just need to believe this. This is the truth. These are the sets of things that you believe. Mm-hmm. And this uh, is your
1: statement of faith, and you're going to sign it,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, yeah.
1: Um, and I'm not saying that that's not a, a, something that is appropriate or, or good for formation to have a set of beliefs that you uh, agree with, but um, you know, I, I like you said that that doubt and that uncertainty and um, is, is really important that we allow space for that. You know, my favorite writer, Anne Lamott. In my favorite book, Bird by Bird, says that the opposite of faith isn't doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. And I think that's exactly what we're talking about right now. Because it takes no faith to be certain of something. If you are certain, you know it, you've observed it, you can prove it. That requires no faith on our part. And so there is that lit, that they're embedded in that statement is this understanding that sometimes we're going to choose to put our faith in something, even with our doubts, even with our questions, even with the mystery that we can't quite work out.
0: Yeah, doubt and faith are friends. Yes, they're companions. Yes, they, they are. They walk along the road together, mm-hmm. and I, I, I would just completely agree that. What we've, what we've often done is we've taken the word trust and we've turned it into the idea of belief
1: mm-hmm. and
0: to believe in things that we know are certain. Right. And the reality is the scriptures give us enough to be able to have faith and trust in a personal way in God. Right. But the scriptures are not answering every question. The scriptures are not about giving us... Uh, a theology textbook that if we right. just know all this stuff there's no more questions we're certain about everything in fact if that's the way we're approaching it then actually it takes us away from faith and yes. it makes the faith Christianity an impersonal
1: academic sort of thing. exercise right yes. and i think i think we we know people maybe we've been these people who You know can quote chapter and verse are academically well acquainted with theology and beliefs but go through times and maybe are still in these times where we just don't feel any personal connection to god because it is possible to separate you know your soul from your intellect In a way, like we kind of we we recognize and it's very embedded in church history to understand this kind of triune person where we're body, mind and spirit. Right. And so your mind can come to conclusions academically on things and your spirit is dead and feels dead inside, you know, um, without that connection and without that experience of faith.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. So let me ask you this question because I think I mean we could wax poetic about this for for forever, but I think what our listeners are are probably processing is, you know, they know someone. Maybe it's their child. Maybe it's their spouse, their best friend, their brother, sister. Maybe it's them, who is now that we've described what deconstruction is or looks like, they're realizing this person is deconstructing their faith is it dangerous should they how should they feel about that when someone in their life or when they themselves are experiencing uh, a period of deconstruction because I think right I mean I was scared when I went through my you know process of deconstruction that is probably still I'm in a process of but um
0: and hopefully you continue to be in a process of it right. throughout your whole life. You're continually deconstructing right. things that you right. have believed at one point, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think that's part of, part of what happens to us as the Spirit of God is continually forming us. Right. Is he's taking the way we interacted with God at one point— and developing it, and deepening it, and stripping us of things that are not a part of the equation, right? And and it is, it's scary. I think one of the most common things that people experience when they're going through it is some fear and disorientation. And then if you're companioning someone, either as a parent or a, a pastor or a leader, or a friend or whatever, it can be scary to you because you think, are they are they going to lose their faith? And right. and that's where it could be important to distinguish between deconstructing your faith and destroying your faith mm. or destruction right and and the deconstruction one of the things I, I just i so much want people to to grapple with and understand is that at the end of the day it's good yeah it's a gift from god that i don't believe the way i did 10 years ago
1: yeah.
0: that, that i don't the the god that i related to 10 years ago by his grace,
1: yeah,
0: that has been deconstructed. The mm-hmm. God that I thought I knew when I first came to know the Lord at 16 years old, thankfully, I'm not interacting with God in the same way I was then. There's been significant deconstructions along the way. Right. And, and I think that's just part of what God does. Yeah. And, and I think what's di- are unique about our time in history right now is that everything is so sped up, mm. and it's so public, and so yeah. I think things that people have experienced over the centuries mm. um, is now being experienced very publicly, right? And everybody talking about it, and so then other people start asking questions, and and there's just a real intensity to it. But but this kind of thing has been happening throughout the history of the church. I mean, if you go back and, and read the the early church fathers the the mystics yeah um so many they they would describe there being this journey and this process and again like you said a lot of times we don't like to talk about process we want to be finished we want to arrive right but they always talked about there being this process of going from this place of I, i mean to use biblical terms being an infant or a child a baby in christ yeah to then to then being a young man to then being a Uh, an adult right and uh, there has to be deconstruction in order to move from one place to the next
1: right right because we can't possibly know everything all at once we can't possibly be right about everything that we know and um, I think as a younger woman I I was very sure Of what I was sure of but I didn't know what I didn't know I hadn't experienced much of life yet I had you know I had a very great upbringing privileged existence and there hadn't been a whole lot of tribulation that I had faced and there is something about those experiences where when you lose someone when you have to grieve something when you walk through these they you know were referred to as the dark night of the soul you know where you just You feel nothing. (laughs) It's like my, I know, I know this is true, but it's like I'm picking up the phone and there's no one on the other line. Um, and, uh, And so thank goodness though that I had people in my life who allowed me, who didn't panic, who didn't freak out, who allowed me to enter into this process. And had enough faith in our Heavenly Father and in the Holy Spirit to guide me through this process that they didn't have to be, you know, just on high alert. Because I I do think that there's this idea that deconstruction is dangerous because we can definitely point to people who have claimed to be going through deconstruction. And then at the end of, you know, whatever is the end of that process for them, they have said, I don't believe anymore. I am not a Christian anymore. And you distinguish that as being destruction, not deconstruction. But maybe it feels the same at the beginning. Uh, and and, and it, that's and what I, makes, that's what scares people.
0: I think it is dangerous. And the, one of the analogies I like to use is that um, when, we, when we think about deconstruction, it's like remodeling a house.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you buy a house in 1975, and probably by the year 2000, yeah. Maybe even before. But there's going to be some point where you're like, you know what? The green shag carpet. Yeah. It's just not anymore, you know. Right, <laughs> or, right. You know, so you're going to remodel. Right. Um, and in many ways, uh, with deconstruction, you're remodeling mm-hmm. your faith. Yeah. But to remodel, to get it to a place that uh, can hold where you are today and where the yeah. Lord is taking you. Yeah. And is remodeling dangerous? Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of times you move out
1: of the house. Yeah.
0: For a period of time. Well, and
1: we've all watched Chip and Joanna, you know, once you start taking down walls, you don't know what you're going to find. You might find mold, you might find a cracked foundation, you might find a plumbing issue, you know, wiring issue, and it's like you just know once you open that up you're there's going to be problems that you you did not anticipate encountering right and and so what you're saying is it is dangerous but it's good if I'm hearing you right yeah And man that's a hard place for people to sit yeah because we want safety
0: yeah we might still want that 1970s green carpet and the comfortable furniture that we've always been sitting on but it's not good for us anymore you know yeah. it's just we've we've got to move to a different place and i and i think this is what the lord does this is this is how he works is mm-hmm. he moves us into ever increasing places of intimacy with him yeah and like the dark night of the soul that you talked about the lord will take us through a dark night of the soul so that we'll let go of ways that were related to him before mhm so we can relate to him in a deeper, purer way. Now it doesn't mean the stuff before was bad, um, but the Lord was relating to us like a child, right? And, and 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 answering our prayers maybe the way we would talk to a child, right? But there comes a point where the Lord says, "I want you to grow up," mm-hmm. and that is painful. It's hard.
1: Yeah. And, and I think it's important to acknowledge that um, in the process of deconstructing, we are going to encounter things that perhaps they're theologies, perhaps they're practices, perhaps they are um, belief sets that we do discover in seeking God's face and in studying his scripture and in having people companion us through this that were actually incorrect. <laughs> And maybe not just incorrect, but wrong or harmful. And I think a lot of uh, you know, the relational patterns and the culture within our churches is not God is not the gospel. It is simply how we have practiced, how we have culturally shaped, you know, God in our image, right? rather than the other way around and and so leaving those things behind can be very healthy and very important because like you said deconstruction happens to us it's not it's really typically not something that we say you know what I'm gonna start a process of deconstruction and I'm gonna start examining every brick in the wall of my faith right um, but I, it's more like a chemical reaction where you know you maybe have one thing that's not great that's Causing you some kind of discomfort and then you have another thing over here and then there's some event and then something happens in the news you start combining these things and then you have a reaction Um, and what I hear from a lot of people who I've walked alongside of is very often it's a hurt you know it's a it's a relational hurt. Maybe it was an abusive or oppressive church environment that they were a part of or grew up in. Maybe it was a parent relationship. Perhaps it was a pastor that they respected who had a major uh, scandal or fall from grace that they had to really grapple with, especially if they sat under the leadership of a person who then they discover... um, had been harming people it it just really shakes a lot of things up for people so at least what I have observed is a lot of the time we're coming towards deconstruction from a place of pain and hurt and I do think that that's why it is so important that um, that we can companion people as they walk through this process. Do you wanna talk a little bit about that? Thinking specifically maybe in this conversation of parents. Yeah, you know. With their children.
0: I think pain is often a part of it. Mm. Because most of the time, we don't change in life Mm. unless there's pain. Right. We just don't. And um, uh, somehow, (laughs) I think this is one of the mysteries, God meets us in the midst of our pain and uses it for his good purposes. Right. I think we can say that. Um, so to say that deconstruction is the result of pain is is not right. To just simply say, well, it's just something God's doing sort of in isolation from the real events of your life, That's not tr- that wouldn't be accurate either. Right. But there's some way in which God meets us and uses painful things to draw us closer to him at least that's the opportunity mm. and sometimes it's it's painful enough that people don't want to go there or they're not ready yet yeah and from a parent perspective I'll, I'll, I actually asked my son permission so okay. uh, I told him I might talk about him on the podcast okay. but my oh, son's wow. 23 and uh you know grew up in a pastor's home going to church every week and uh he right now in his life i mean he said to me this morning he said all religion is poison i mean and then we get into a discussion about things or whatever so that's the kind of discussions we have but he would say that he's either an atheist or an agnostic Mm. and and i get it i do i want more for him and i and i i i i don't i haven't given up hope i i pray and hope that as we continue to stay connected that there will be something that will shift. But he was very hurt by the church growing mm-hmm. up. And I hate that. I, I so many times think, Oh, I wish that I wasn't a pastor, you yeah. know, because there were things that happened to him that I wasn't even aware of until mm-hmm. he was older. That he was just he was mistreated in yeah. the church. Well, and I think
1: he and I could could share yeah. some camaraderie there. <laughs> you know, and it and it wasn't for lack of you know, my parents Doing their best, I think the grace-based environment I grew up in probably mitigated a lot of that harm. But we called it life in the fishbowl. That's what my yeah. siblings and I refer to it as. And, that,
0: and that's hard, and that's hurtful. And so he experienced a lot of a lot of hurt. And I think mm-hmm. also he experienced, as much as I wish this wasn't true, there was a period of time where he went to a to a Christian school that um, I I would say didn't handle the difficult questions very well
1: mm.
0: and didn't handle difficult children very well. Yeah. And uh, and that really, you know, caused him to start asking a lot of questions. And so, you know, at the end of the day, um, his questions are pretty simple. It's questions of, you know, how could a good God allow X, Y, Z? And then, and yeah. as you know, I've had some health issues over the last couple of years, that was yeah. really hard for him because yeah. he looks at that and he thinks, how, you, how how, could God do this to you, dad? Yeah. So it's very personal um, for him. And so I love him. Mm. He's my boy forever. And I'm just going to keep walking with him. And we have conversations. And I pray that um, the spirit, which I believe— is at work in him, um, over time will open some things up. Yeah. Um, but I can't live in fear.
1: Yeah.
0: I can't, uh, react to him or relate to him from a place of fear. It has to be from a place of love and being mm. there for him and respecting where he is mm. in the process.
1: Yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, he, uh, Sometimes it's stronger than others, but he, you know, uh, has very strong, I, 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 like I wouldn't say, I, I would say he deconstructed into a place where he's not sure he's mm. into any of it. Right. Um, so it's, it's uh, it would be putting it mildly to say it's painful, I think, as a parent, when you see your kids yeah. struggling with things. Hmm. There's a lot of things I don't know. Right. But what I do know is God's calling me to love him and be connected to him and listen to him and give him space to be where he is. Yeah. Because um, I do know the alternative to that um, is not God's heart.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and thank you for sharing that. And thank your son for his willingness uh, to allow you to, to share his story. Um. You know, at Grace Base Families, we're really, really careful not to make parents feel as though we're handing them a checklist of do's and don'ts because. That's almost never helpful or comprehensive and it's very easy to slip into a place of legalism when we view our role as parents from Through a lens of here's what I need to do. Here's what I not, I I shouldn't do But at the same time, it's really helpful to try to identify p- principles for parents that they can see and recognize that can help them navigate difficult situations and a child going through deconstruction like you said it's painful it's difficult it's scary it feels dangerous i heard you say i want to identify four things feel free to add to this if if you think of any more but i think we can kind of boil down some principles here and again not a checklist but things to keep in mind the first thing i heard you say was connection Keeping connection with a person that you are, as you, I love this word you use, companioning through a process of deconstruction, whether that's your, a child or a friend or somebody else, right? Keeping connection. Then I heard you say conversation. Be willing to have hard conversations. Be willing to sit in uncertainty with that person. Be willing to say, I don't know. I don't know let's let's seek together right i don't know and then i heard you say um to love them through that to come from a place of love rather than from a place of judgment or um fear and then i heard you say don't be afraid that those are four things that I think we can, uh, we can identify, oh, and another prayer. We should be praying um, on behalf of the people who we're companioning through, through um, deconstruction because I do think there is a role for us when people are in a dark night of the soul, when they are questioning, when they have doubts, they need the support of somebody who's maybe in a different place to be praying, yeah, and then Jesus is going to interpret those <laughs> yeah. the groaning's too deep for words and, and, and you
0: know I, there will be fear mm-hmm. we we feel it we but but we don't have to relate out of it, I think is the thing we don't have yes. to let it dominate us and mm-hmm. i I think about and, and you can relate to this when you have little kids and they fall Mm-hmm And they look up to you to see if they should cry or not right right? yeah and if and if you as the parent are like hey you're okay come on get up and they're like oh okay they get up or whatever but if you look scared yeah and fearful a lot of times they will take that on and then they'll start crying because they think that's how i'm supposed to respond and you know the mirroring and all those kind of things but i think in this there's a there's a similarity in that if someone's going through a deconstruction and i'm agitated and i'm questioning and I'm judgmental and I'm fearful that's what I'm bringing in uh, to the situation and that person is responding Mm -hmm. to that yeah but what would it look like if I had some understanding that deconstruction is often the kind of thing that God does and and to normalize it Mm -hmm. and to say I totally get it I understand why you're asking that question I I, Yeah, of course, you should ask that question.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, and and to create a space where someone doesn't feel like they have to react or um, either totally push away from you or conform to you, but there's space to just be. I I think that's the best chance. You know, we can maybe give, uh, especially, you know, our kids or someone else that we're companion is just to offer them the space where um, where God can uh, can do something
1: yeah when when my kids would fall when they were little I would say ta-da and that was our little thing you know and as a parent you you get you start to learn like okay they just smash yeah. their head on There's the blood. mantelpiece <laughs> this is not a ta-da moment but after a while you know they'd fall and they'd get up and they'd go ta-da and what if if at times in our faith as we're experiencing it at herself or we're watching our family or friends go through some falls and, and when we say falls, you know, obviously sin because we all sin, but things where they're wrestling with a question, wrestling with an aspect of their faith, wrestling with a cultural issue, wrestling with a, a, a faith practice that maybe doesn't sit right with them. Um, we, what if we kind of approached it like, ta-da, God is doing something good. Like, this yes. is so exciting.
0: I think that's the message, is that God has not abandoned you. He's at work. Mm. In fact, you want to go through deconstruction yeah because you don't want to stay as a child and i and i think unfortunately uh when we tell people that you can have it all figured out here's your list of things to believe you just believe these things you're all good i think sometimes we keep people in a bit of spiritual infancy yeah and and the reality is if um If there is a God who exists, and there is a Jesus who walked this earth, Mm. and there's a Holy Spirit who is at work in the world today, we don't have to be afraid. You know, the way that we understand all of that, um, our doctrinal positions on things. Yeah. There's an orthodoxy. I think there's some very clear things that we can hold on to, but I think the list is often a lot smaller than we've been led to believe.
1: Yeah. It's a few pillars. Maybe three, maybe four, (laughs) you know, um, in my opinion. And, And I think, um, and I'm saying this, I mean, maybe you agree with this, maybe you don't, but I think from my perspective, discipleship is something we have been able to systematize and replicate across our American churches. Um, it's a, it fits in a little bit better with the business model. Deconstruction, on the other hand, um, is difficult to to reproduce, to replicate, because everybody experiences it in a different way and a different timetable. And we just have not been able to systematize this in a way that our churches welcome it. I um, mean that's a little bit of a critique and a dig, but hey. Well it's
0: not it's not an efficient right, predictable is, right. process. And to go back exactly. to the analogy of remodeling a house. Mm-hmm. We, we did some remodeling last year, and uh, we, we had to be out of the house for a little bit of the time. And um, one of the things, and, and if you've remodeled the house, and yes. the listeners have remodeled have. the house, there, there's two truths in remodeling. It always takes longer than you think, right. and it costs more than you think. Yes. And I think there's there's some parallel there with deconstruction. It's going to take longer than you think. You can't just tie things up in a nice, neat bow. Yeah. And it, in some ways, will will cost something because you're you're perhaps losing some things that you held dear. Yeah. In some way.
1: Yeah, yeah, a- and you know, you may lose people along the way. I think right. that's what's r- really terrifying. If you're in a place of uh, wrestling with some questions about your faith and deconstructing, is we are so interconnected in our faith communities. And there is this fear that if I doubt, if I express those doubts, if I wrestle with certain questions, and especially if after wrestling with them, I come to a different conclusion <laughs> than the people around me, I'm out. And unfortunately, we gatekeep who's in and out. We do. We shouldn't. That's not our job. Nobody gave us that right, but we do. Um, and we do it the best. Christians do it the best, and man. that's
0: and I think that's an admonition for the church and for leaders in the church is we really need to rethink the gatekeeping mm-hmm. kind of kind of mentality and and to look at deconstruction. Is the point is deconstruction happens so there can be reconstruction, right? So there's something new, and even when that's done. There's going to be more deconstruction that happens later right. and reconstruction and it's and rather than it being some linear thing where you're done right it's more like this spiral that goes around and it just goes deeper and deeper and you know the biblical pattern that Jesus calls us to is death and resurrection yes right yes and and I think that speaks to deconstruction as well we continually have to die to certain things so that something new can be resurrected and and that tada in that <laughs> is i don't know what it is but something new is going to emerge in the yeah. midst of all this and and if we can in our hearts and our prayer keep pointing our hearts and minds towards jesus and as we're companioning others if we can help them do this process with God Mm -hmm. that's a huge part of it too because I think often people feel like well I've got to put God over here while I work all this stuff out rather than saying I can do this with God I can pray I can pray these unbiblical things to God I can tell God that I hate him that I'm angry that fill in the blank and God if you look at the Psalms I think we mentioned that before God seems to invite that
1: yeah because he's a good father and a good father lets you beat his chest when you're when you're sad when you're angry when you're scared and so it is it, it's allowing for death to happen so that new life can happen it's living through the winter so the spring can come and and we see this exhibited in the scripture and we see it exhibited in in the lives of so many people of, of faith that we hold dear. I think there's so much more we could say about this, Ted. Uh, and, you know, but I think this is maybe a good place to end for today. And thank you so much for your time, for joining us. And, and is there anything that you would like people to know about you or if they wanted to get, I know you kind of have a regional-based ministry, but are there any resources that people could find from you that maybe they can get connected with? or?
0: Sure. I, you can just look at our ministry's website, sfsaz.org, Spiritual Formation Society of Arizona, sfsaz.org.
1: That's wonderful. And Dr. Ted Wiesty, you can look him up on Amazon if you're interested in some of his books. He's got uh, some great uh, just devotionals and Bible studies that you can work through that will kind of, I think, walk you through um, formation in a different way than you've maybe experienced before. He's he's my mystic master. And um, he's very just open and lovely and is a great friend. And so thanks for joining us today. Listeners, if there's any way we can pray for you, we delight in doing that. So you can reach out to us um, by email at family at grayspacefamilies.com. And again, thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to the Grace Space Family Podcast. This is part of Family Matters Ministry. For more information, check us out at GraceBaseFamilies.com
1: and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time...